What are the true salary cap implications of Odell Beckham Jr.'s deal with the Baltimore Ravens? We talk about that, looking to the guaranteed aspect of things, potential use of void years. Also talk about what it means for Lamar and what Lamar's extension could look like. All coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. And here with us today, really, really special guest, Brian McFarland, otherwise known as Ravens Salary Cap of Russell Street Report. And it's been a busy offseason for you, Brian, I'm sure, with the Lamar situation, with Odell Beckham Jr. now coming into Baltimore. How, how has this offseason been for you? Yeah, it's been a little crazy. Um, I kind of thought a lot of this stuff would have been resolved by now, but here we are. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to it being resolved, at least at some point. Um, but I think at this point, I think it seems pretty fair to say that Lamar's good chance. I don't know what percentage you want to put a pretty high chance. He's going to be the quarterback. It's just now a matter of whether they can get a long-term deal done or whether he when or if not, if he plays on the tag when he's going to show up. Right. And I think that's one of the most important decisions that has to be made now with everything that's been going on. Ideally, a long-term extension is what happens, but there's a possibility it is the franchise thing. We'll talk about that throughout the show too. But Brian, I want to first talk with you about Odell because it was a big move for the Ravens. I don't know if many people expected this to happen. It was between the Jets and the Ravens, it felt like, and Jets were having that Monday meeting. The Ravens swooped in on Sunday evening and made that deal one year up to 18 million. And I was thinking, you know, up to 18 million, you're kind of thinking, all right, probably very incentive laden, very heavy incentives, maybe not likely to be reached. But then the 15 million in guarantees comes out. Were you shocked with the structure of this deal? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked with the size of the deal for sure. Um, I can understand the Ravens only wanting to be a one-year deal, although uh, we're expecting void years to be involved, and that makes it, for a cap implications, it's more than a one-year deal. But it is a one-year deal. I guess they wanted to make sure, you know, he was healthy before, you know, some, uh, $15 million sounds like a lot, but if, you know, if it was a four-year deal, then you're talking $25 million or $30 million guaranteed. So I think they want to make sure that, He's healthy, obviously, hasn't played a lot the last two years. Um, there were a couple of reports that he was actually playing injured in the Super Bowl two years ago and when he blew his knee out again. So, um, so you know, now that it's been a year, a year plus by then, hopefully, um, you know, everything will be sound in that knee. He's 30, so it's getting to that wrong side of the hill. But, you know, good, solid receiver, especially good craftsmen and good route runners, Um you know, they can play well under their 30s. Uh, Derek Mason being kind of the classic example of that classic route runner here. Um, and he played well into his 30s. So, um, yeah, but this, the deal itself, the size, um, you know, there's, we could speculate on if it was the, the olive branch, if you want to call it, the Lamar or the trying to reel him in, you know, whatever, whatever cliche you want to use for it. Um, but it certainly seems like they felt it was something they had to do. And they had to get in front of the Jets, obviously, timing and then money-wise. But, yeah, the, the sheer $15 million guaranteed on a one-year deal is, is pretty, uh, pretty hefty. 
Right. And, you know, talking about just like a one year deal, I think it maybe surprised a couple people that it was a one year deal for that size. It's one of the bigger one year deals I think I can recall in a long time. And, and for a guy 30 years old, it is somewhat of a risk. But with one year deals, Brian, I know there's a, a little less flexibility, in fact, a lot less flexibility than if it was a multi year contract. So you, you mentioned the, the use of void years. And I know I think I think the Taysom Hill contract kind of blew that up for everyone. I know it's been going on for a while, but I think when. Taysom Hill's contract was signed and everybody saw the use of void years. That's when everyone is like, oh, what what are these void years? So what would that mean if there are void years, if there are the four that I know has been talked about? What would that mean contractually for Baltimore? Yeah, the four, the magic of the four is that takes that means it's five years to spread out the signing bonus. Um, the 13 point what, uh, eight three, five, or I think that's right. Eight, three, five million. You can spread that out over five years. The maximum proration on a signing bonus is five years. So that's why the speculation has been adding the four to, to get the, that way you can get this year's cap number down to its lowest possible. Um, so basically that spreads out that over five years uh, makes it, I think it's 2.726 million per year. It would count technically because we'll get to what happens next year when it voids, but that spreads it out over those years. So then you get, that gets his cap number down. If that is the structure that gets it down to just below 4 million. So even though he's receiving 15 million in cash, that cap number is going to be 3.9, a little over 3.9 million. Now I think that cap, it's a little easier to stomach than a a full 15 guaranteed or something along those lines. But you did mention that 2024, that the next year aspect of the void years what could that do? Because I think it has major implications. Yeah, sure. So that this is the drawback to void years. And as you mentioned, the Taysom Hill deal, the the, um, the Saints started using void years a lot more than any other team as they were trying to get out of the, the cap hell they were in there for a while. Um, and then when, you know, when the league, when the, the cap went back $20 million uh, in 2021, a lot of teams started using void years. Um, but they had to use them. I mean, it was just you know, they had to stay afloat, basically. So it's not some uh, you know newfangled uh, wrinkle that somebody's found that that's great because it's not, you know. And and the Ravens have been good about avoiding them. But obviously, this year is a little different. And uh, you know, wanting to be able to uh, minimize the cap numbers for everybody while not doing any restructure so far, which lets other teams know that if you're going to put an offer in, offer sheet in for Lamar. We're going to match it. And I think that's been the way they've done things is clear that that was their intention. So the uh, the drawback to the void years with Beckham is if he's not re-signed or extended before the league year starts next year. So March would it be 17th, I think, of next year. Um, then 11.068 million, I think it is, uh, hits against the cap all in 2024. And that is basically the the third, the second, third, fourth, and fifth prorations of two point seven six seven million. So that's where the that's uh, the drawback. Now, if they can uh, extend them before that, um, so this gives them some leverage to say, hey, you you know, you want to take that eleven million, or give me a long term deal and keep that spread out. So if he were to sign a four year extension next year, then that two point seven six seven would count each continue to count each year of the deal. Um, now, if he gets cut two years later, they would accelerate. But at least it's not 11 million next year. And I guess, you know, I mean, they're, everybody's fingers are crossed. Lamar's here next year again. You know, he plays Beckham plays really well. You got to keep him. And then that's going to add just, you know, 2.7 million again onto whatever his new cap numbers would be. 
and they'll probably still have a cap number under 11 for next year in that case. So, uh, but they'll have him here. So that's, that's a win-win. Uh, but obviously it's a year away and a lot of things to happen health-wise, certainly before then. Right. And in terms of a one-year deal, again, I know there's so little flexibility that comes with that, but do you think that that structure, the void years, was the best option? Because again, the Ravens just couldn't take that 15 guaranteed cap hit at this point, especially with the situation for Lamar still being that 32.4 million, which is still a huge chunk of, of the Ravens cap right now. Do you think there was a better structure the Ravens could have used, or do you think this was really their only option? I mean, I think given where they are, it's what they had to do. Um, like I said, I'm not a big proponent of void years, but um, they they do they have not restructured any players' uh, contracts yet. Um, so the big, the, you know, the Ronnie Stanleys, the Marlon Humphreys, uh, there's about six guys, Mark Andrews, uh, Roquan Smith, and a couple others, uh, that they can create about close to 30 million in cap space if they needed it. Now that's barring from the future years. Um, but though they've left those in their back pocket, um, and I think part of the reasoning behind that is, again, just to ward teams off saying, hey, we haven't even gotten into the big money, you know, the big money we can save here. Um, so but if you want to put an offer sheet and put a that has a big first year cap number on, then, you know, we're we're here and we're ready to we've got flexibility to do that. So by doing this deal and and uh, the Aguilar deal and um, a couple of the other minor deals they've done, but even the minor deals they've added void years, which weren't adding a lot. Um, but, you know, um, they were doing it to uh, leave that flexibility with the rest of the roster and the, and the big money changes if they need them. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, they need the flexibility now, especially with a couple other needs still on the board corners. One where we could see a Rocky Asin, who they brought in, maybe they re-signed Marcus Peters. But Brian, with, with Odell being 30, soon to be 31, obviously coming off the two surgeries. We got a couple medical updates yesterday about how the ACL wasn't fully healthy during the Super Bowl and he's had that time to recover. I mean, in, in your personal opinion, do you feel like this was an overpay? Was it a massive one? Do you think it was a necessary one? Or do you think the deal was on brand with what he would have gotten from other teams? No, I mean, I think it's an overpay. Um, I think it's a necessary overpay. And I think it's that, like I said, it's that olive branch to Lamar. And certainly sounds like Lamar was on board and recruiting. Uh, Bashadi was on board and recruiting and involved, I should say, in recruiting. So uh, it certainly seems like, you know, Lamar said, this is the guy I want. And they said, OK, we'll we'll do what it takes to get him. And let's, you know, let's get this thing rolling. Let's get everything resolved. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And, you know, let's get uh, and maybe, you know, maybe it's not that they get a contract resolved, but it maybe it's enough to get Lamar in at the beginning of training camp, which would be huge. You know, yeah. so uh, so that maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't solve everything, but it maybe at least gets him in. I got new receivers I got to work with. I got a new new OC I got to work with. And, you know, I mean, everybody said he won't show up till, you know, until late August. But, you know, if he wants a big contract next year that he, you know, seemingly isn't getting this year, perhaps the less from the Ravens, then, you know, he needs to have a really good year. So whether he really would stay out that long or, or just stay out till training camp like he did last year. I mean, I guess that remains to be seen, but I do think this is, um, you know, uh, telling him, trying to tell him, look, we're on your side, we're with you, and uh, let you know, let's let's figure something out. If this is if this is something where the Ravens bring Odell in on the, I do think it's an overpay, but a necessary one, like you said. If this gets Lamar back to the table, if this gets him into training camp, I think it's a it's a worth it move, and especially health willing, age willing. If he's able to go out there and produce as even just a low end wide receiver one. 
that to me, it, it could be good and hopefully signals an extension because I know that 11 million dead hit is not what the Ravens want to have next year, but we'll see what happens. But coming up in the second segment, we'll be talking a bit about Lamar's contract, the franchise tag, the implications, and what a deal could look like there. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. And you've heard me talk about this mobile game app a ton. And if you ever thought you'd make a good GM, you have to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every unique aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory if you're trying to build a historic dynasty. And it's a really fun experience to have. You have to make a ton of good and bad decisions. And if you make bad ones, they can have plenty of consequences to your franchise. But the good ones can elevate you to that dynasty. And once you download it, you don't even need Wi-Fi to play, and you can play with your friends or your family. It's super inclusive and immersive for everyone. It was also before while GM responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigate your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is going to be free and playable offline, play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on Ravens. Let's just get them 100% free boost with their franchise using the promo code Locked On and all caps in the game store. That's Locked On and all caps. So make sure to check it out today to download the game. Says at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. We're back. Our second segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Brian McFarland of Russell Street Report. And Brian, I know we just talked about Odell a little bit, but the, the key storyline throughout the whole offseason, years even, has been Lamar. Now, I, I thought his deal was going to be the first. In that class, obviously, Josh Allen got his extension. That's looking like an absolute steal for Buffalo, considering the way the quarterback market is gone right now. And I know that the whole thing with Lamar is, is the guaranteed money, seemingly. The reports initially where he wants a fully guaranteed deal. Now those have kind of shifted to he wants just more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. So just over the 230 Deshaun got. Has this gone on far longer than you thought it would? Because for me, it has. Oh, oh easily. I, I would have thought he would have been when they when they were all eligible, when that class was eligible, uh, what, two years ago? At this time, two years ago, I would have thought it would have gotten done then. Um, now that was, you know, that was the pandemic year. Um, the Ravens didn't have a lot of cap space, a lot of maneuverability at that time just because of the drop in the cap. Um, so, you know, I could understand why it didn't happen then, but – that still, I still firmly believed it would get that last offseason, and here we are, and that's when the Deshaun Watson deal came along and, uh, you know, and really muddied the waters, I guess we'll say, um, you know, and um, I do think that, uh, you know, and this is not a criticism, but I do think that having an agent would have gotten this resolved um, already, um, and, you know, Lamar's free to do, you know, do what he wants and put the value on himself he wants. But I do think having an agent would have given him information that could have resolved this better one way or another, whether it would be, yes, there's a team out there that's going to give you fully guaranteed. And he goes to the Ravens and says, I'm out of here, get me out of here. Or there's, you know, there was an, his agent saying, nobody's giving you fully guaranteed. The Ravens have the best offer on the table take it, you know, and, and, you know, and, and get your security. I mean, he's, he's lost millions already by not signing two years ago and last year, you know, and that's money's not going to get back. He's going to, I mean, the money's always going to be there once it's signed and, you know, quarterback contract get redone every two or three years anyway. 
So even if he's below market, I mean, Mahomes is going to be one who's going to have to be done. I mean, his his deal is so far below market value at this point, uh, you know, and he's he's going to be one that's going to be done, should be done. And, you know, uh, he's going to well, I'm assuming he's waiting. So when you get through the four that are probably hopefully up now, I'm, I'm hoping Lamar Well, Lamar is up, but hopefully resolved. But when you get Herbert and and Burrow and um, and uh, Hertz. You know, which all are up for this offseason. I'm assuming uh, Mahomes is waiting. And once those are all done and they kick the market up, he's going to come in and say, well, I'm better than all of them. And, you know, it's time to redo because he gave the he gave the he gave Kansas City a sweetheart deal. That 10 year deal was was just crazy sweet for the team. So, yeah, so I would have thought it had been done. I do think. um I don't know. I guess I, I, for some reason, still have a little hope out there that at some point it'll get done. But um, yeah, it's been a long, long trip. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I, I know that the another big wrinkle in this was a non-exclusive franchise tag. And I know people were wondering whether it would have been exclusive or non-exclusive. The Ravens take the non-exclusive route, allow Lamar to go out there and kind of assess his market. And I guess maybe find a trade partner because we heard about that trade request that he had on March 2nd. In, in terms of the offer sheet, Brian, it's a team has to give Lamar the deal that he's looking for and also give up at, at that point the two first-round picks. Was there ever a team to you that you thought was going to go out there? Because the, the lack of interest to me has been shocking for all these teams to come out there. But at the same time, with the deal and with the with the assets they would have to give up, I mean, that that's a lot for a, one player to be able to say that and maybe give your cap space up and give the assets as well. Well, and yeah, I mean, and, but obviously Cleveland gave that up for Deshaun Watson. Detroit sure. gave that up for, and more than that, more than the two first rounds. And and uh, Denver gave that up for, for Russell Wilson as well. So I think there's two major variables involved here. Um, and well, maybe three. One, there's still teams, there aren't, te- there weren't teams super flush with cap space because we're still recovering from the turn down um, salary cap. I mean, teams had planned, you know, before COVID teams were planning out five years and this cap at 225 right now probably would have been 240. So, you know, that's, so that's a difference. And some of the teams that had cap space weren't in the quarterback market either. So I think that's one of the variables. Uh, the other is, you know, there's this feeling around the league and there, there are people smarter than me that pointed this out, that you have to redo your offense for Lamar. And some teams aren't ready to do that, and and some teams don't, or maybe aren't qualified to do that. I'm not sure. You know, I mean, that's what the Ravens did for Lamar. Now, obviously, we're you know they're they're heading the other direction to an extent, hoping that you know they can now kickstart the pass game and keep some of the run game concepts they've had. Obviously, and I think that's where Mumkin is a great hire because he's very he's his career his history has been very flexible in what he does. So, um, and then I think the other is I think the Ravens whether they actually went out and said it, which would probably be somewhat collusion, or whether just by their actions, they've made it clear that, um, you know, they're going to match whatever offer. And there's honestly, in the history of, of, um, of the franchise tag and the non-exclusive tag, there's never been an offer sheet for a, uh, for a franchised um, or for non-exclusive franchise player. So, uh, you know, I think that part of that is, well, you know, the Ravens, you know, the Ravens love him. They want to keep him and they're going to match whatever offer we do. So why go out there and waste our time just to get them a con- just to get a, a contract resolved for them? And I, I think there's something to be said for that. Now, is it, you know, is it worth still kicking the tires with him and trying to find out where he is? 
Well, well, since he doesn't have an agent, we don't know. You know, I mean, an agent would, you know, oh, whether he's got teams interested in him, you know, but without an agent, I mean, maybe, you know, I keep hearing nobody's interested. Well, nobody's contacted. Well, I don't know that that's the case. You know, I mean, I don't think we know that that's the case. And Lamar obviously has played very uh, things very close to the vest anyway. So, you know, but I think those are probably the uh, I'm a little surprised. I thought there'd be more. Well, kick at least kicking of the tires and bringing him in for a visit, or we would hear that you know that that you know this team or that team was in South Florida to you know to meet with him and kind of you know again feel him out and find out where he was coming from. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Yeah, and I know that again. Like after the fr- the Nanosuza franchise tag was used, there was all these reports coming out about well, Atlanta's not interested, and the Raiders aren't, and the, and the Commanders. So I think that was where you know how much of that is true. <laughs> we don't really know. Well, and that, yeah, and that's just a, that's that's a media source within an organization. That's not necessarily the the general manager or the owner, you know, out there saying okay. I mean, that's just I don't think we're interested. And okay, well the. Atlanta's not interested, you know, I don't, yeah, so I, I didn't put a whole lot of stock into that while people were kind of flipping out over it, to be honest, I was like, oh, that doesn't mean anything, and, you know, and I, it's been said before, too, maybe the general manager's not interested, but if the owner walks in the door and says, I want Lamar Jackson, then the general manager, he's interested. <laughs> right, and and that, that's another whole part of that, because, again, with the trade request, I think it threw that other wrinkle where, again, a, a trade would look different than just the two first-round picks. Lamar, by himself, is worth much more than that compensation on an offer sheet. But then the question becomes, would he even play on the franchise tag? And, Brad, I know we kind of had that conversation very briefly earlier, but with all that's gone on this offseason, do you think that now with Odell coming in with the deal that he has – that that's the most likely path for Lamar now in 2023. Yeah, I do. And I've thought that was probably, I've always said that I think the rubber meets the road next year um, because of, because Lamar's getting, well, this year more money than he's made in the last four or five. So four, four, five, five now. So, um, you know, so that's one thing. And it, and, and it's not what he could be making granted. Because, I mean, a long-term deal, he's getting a 60 or $7 million signing bonus. So, you know, it's going to be twice as much as what he's getting now. Um, but next year, they could franchise him again. Uh, they could franchise him a third year. But that third franchise tag would be, what, $70 million, $75 million? And that's not that's not tenable. I mean, that's that just can't happen. So this year they can hold on to him with hopes that they can figure something out between now and 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 this time next year uh, but by next year you're not going you're not going to let you're not going to play him on the franchise tag and lose him the following year for a third round compensatory pick so it, it's that this year it's this time next well actually march of it's of last month when the league year started if he's going to be traded i think that's when it's going to, if it's going to happen that's when it's going to happen hopefully they get something figured out before then but i think that's that's always been the drop dead date uh not not this year i mean every, you know everybody wanted to be the drop dead date because they wanted a deal done <laughs> you know but that it wasn't it wasn't really that it, it's next year so I, I you know and if they couldn't find a deal and if he's stuck on you know, fully guaranteed than playing on the tag. And I didn't think he wasn't going to show up because he's not going to turn down 32 million this year. Now, again, maybe he didn't show up till August 31st, uh, but I, I can't imagine him not playing at all and, you know, and turning down that money. Cause again, he's already lost money over the last two years, 32 million, while it's not 50 million on, on it, like his average would be on a new year deal or, or $60 million signing bonus, he'd probably get, it's still a big chunk of change to turn down. Yeah. And I know that 
with the franchise tag we've seen, you know, the Kirk Cousins route with two franchise tags and then an extension. And I know that that's the route that I've kind of played around with in my head. I don't know if that's super realistic. I do think next year, again, you're right. Everybody wanted it done this year. They wanted the first year cap it to be low, get the salary cap space and just have them under contract. But it just seems like with every day that passes and now with this Odell deal, could be a one-year thing this year on the franchise tag. He takes that money, and then something happens next year. And coming up in the final segment, we'll talk a bit about what that Lamar deal could look like and also get into how the Ravens could free up more cap space with guys not named Lamar Jackson. So be sure to stay tuned. Still lots to dive into on the show. We're back rounding out Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Brian McFarland. And Brian, I do want to ask you about the actual, like, your ideal Lamar contract, what the structure of that would look like. If Lamar were to sign an extension tomorrow, let's say, what would you have that structure be years wise, money wise, guarantee wise for both Lamar and the Ravens to come to that common ground? Yeah, I mean, for the team's purposes, the longer term deal makes the most sense, um, you know, five, six years, uh, because you can spread that because you're going to he's going to get a huge signing bonus. So let's just say 60 million. So if he gets that on a three year deal, that's counting all by itself, 20 million on the cap each year, whereas if it's over and there's. And if it, but if it's over five or six years, then obviously that lowers that. And then you can make those early years of his deal a little more palatable from a cap standpoint. And that allows you to, you know, do more things with the rest of the roster. Um, there's been talk of, you know, what about a hundred and fifty three year, 150 million fully guaranteed deal? Um, and, you know, if that's what gets it done, that's what gets it done. A lot of People have been saying from Lamar's perspective, perspective, that's his best option. It's a short-term deal. He's 29 when it's done. And as part of that negotiation, he asks for um, the possibility of, um, you know, no tag after the three years. So he knows not to go through this again. <laughs> you know, three years, I play my three years. If you don't extend me, I've got all kinds of leverage. If you don't, and if you don't, um, I'm out of here. Or, you know, I, I'm a free agent at 29. I'm still in my prime. So from his perspective, I think that makes the most sense. Because he, uh, now, whether they would do 150 fully guaranteed, it's not 230, it's not 250, you know. So from a team's perspective, as far as that escrow payment, things like that, um, you know, that, it, it, you know, it, it shouldn't be, it should be less of an issue for them, but it's not as flexible from a cap perspective. If you're averaging 50 million a year. So if you took him down to 32 million, if you kept him where he is right now at 32 this year, so you didn't create any space, but you didn't, you didn't eat any more up then what then in the second, let's say the second year is 50 million. Then the third year is what? 68 million. You know, that's a, that's a huge cap number just just two seasons from now essentially you know so the cap's going to go up substantially but that may still be kind of hard to deal with so so that's where from a team's perspective you'd like the longer term deal from lamar's perspective i mean i think probably the and i don't know if the ravens would agree but uh, you know to that no tag clause at the end but for lamar three years 50 million maybe 51 52 million some you know in that range fully guaranteed and then I don't want to be, I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> I don't want to be tagged, you know? I, so, you know, that would be his perspective. The Ravens would be, uh, the Ravens would be fine with 51 or 52 million a year, but they probably like it to be again on that, probably five, six, maybe seven years. That way they can, they can, they can maneuver his cap numbers around a little better, which in a way is, you know, should be to Lamar's liking too. But, uh, you know, at, as a player, you, you're not thinking, 
five or six down years down the road. It's how can I get the most money in my next couple of years? Because who knows what happens after that? Right. And I know that, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I know with a lot of people talking about how the quarterback market fluctuates and changes with each deal that's signed. I mean, I know, Brian, we have guys coming up, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. If Lamar waits the year and, and he plays on the franchise tag this year and a couple of those guys sign, does that hurt the Ravens, help the Ravens, help Lamar, hurt Lamar? Where, where are you with that? Yeah, I mean, it 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 helps Lamar into the extent that the, you know, the the top annual uh, average salary is, is still um, Rodgers at $50.1 million. Uh, I certainly Lamar, any of those other four are going to go over that, whether it gets 52. I mean, usually it goes up a little bit. Usually each deal goes up a little bit on that yearly average. Um, So maybe it's the first guy gets 51. The next guy gets 52 and 50. It's amazing how sometimes it's just like it's not a dollar. But when you're talking about millions of dollars, it feels like it's I just topped the guy last guy by like a dollar, you know, right. So, I mean, so from that perspective, it it helps Lamar. What I don't think it will help Lamar is the fully guaranteed because the Bengals do not give fully guaranteed. They have historically not given anything beyond the base salary in the first year and a big signing bonus. And that they don't even guarantee a second year salary with or third year, much less what you have which, when you're talking about these kind of numbers, you're getting several years of base salaries guaranteed. Um Chargers, same thing. And both of those teams are family run teams that those the team, the owner's wealth is the team. So they when they are pulling out money like that and when they've got to put up, you know, when they got to escrow this escrow, you've got for a year after you sign the deal, you've got to escrow whatever's left of the fully guaranteed there. Those teams aren't cash. You know, the, there's not a lot of cash with a you know cat. I'm trying to think of the right word. Cash friendly. Um, right. Cash. They're, they're just not they're, they're They're kind of cash poor, to be honest with you. And and any money that goes any big uh, outlay, it somewhat takes away money from their salary or, or their you know what they're living off of. Is Steve, we don't. Have, I don't think we have to worry about that with the Ravens. Steve Bashotti's wealth came before the Ravens, you know. So I, I don't think that's an, as, as much of an issue. But so for most of those guys, and the Eagles aren't a team either that that's likely to give out fully guaranteed. I don't think Jacksonville is either. So I think that hurts Lamar in the long run. If if the fully guaranteed, you know, if if the other if these deals go, so what? 133 million for Wilson was the top fully guaranteed, other than Watson. So if the next guy gets 140 or 150, and it goes up incrementally, it's still not close to the 230. Um, so, and, and I don't, so I think that's going to hurt him the most. Um, you know, if he sticks to that, I want it, I want at least what Watson got two thirty fully guaranteed. Now, again, for him to get that, it can't be a three-year deal. You know, it's going to have to be a five or a six or seven year deal. And again, that goes back to the, what the Ravens would prefer. They just don't want to do the two two thirty five or whatever it would be fully guaranteed. And it's such an interesting conversation about, you know, whether it would help or hurt Lamar. I think there you mentioned it both cases to help and to hurt him with those guys. But moving away from Lamar, Brian, I know the Ravens, if this is a franchise tag where Lamar plays on it, they don't get that flexibility of the long-term deal with the lower cap hit. So you you mentioned Marlon Humphrey and Mark Andrews and Ronnie Stanley and, and Roquan Smith. How, how, how can the Ravens create salary cap space without 
take into account Lamar's deal with some of those guys and those bigger deals? Yeah. So though there's, I, I think there's six or seven guys that they can with just simple restructures, not adding void years. Now, obviously it's clear that they're, they're willing to add void years, but without adding void years, um, they could, they can still create about 27 million. I think it is now, if they add void years, they can probably take that up to 32 or so. Um, so that's where, you know, they've signaled to other teams with these deals. We haven't even gotten to the big ones yet. <laughs> you know, we still got the all these, we still got the, you know, the plenty in our pocket. Um, so I, and I think that's, again, how they've kind of, you know, scared teams away, if you want to put scared the right word. Um, but they have that. And, and there are going to be future expenses, even beside acquiring new players. Um, you've got your practice squad cost when the season starts right now only the top 51 players count against the cap in the off seasons called the rule of 51 uh, obviously the roster itself is 53 so you're adding two players minimum that's 1.4 million you're going to have injuries you have to have your injury replacement fund so there's a lot of expenses probably and they're probably going to need 15 million more in cap space than they have right now anyway um, now they've got about three now after the, the, the Beckham deal. So take that down to 12 and that, but that's without acquiring anybody else. As you said, I mean, they've got it certainly got a need a corner. Even if they drafted a corner in the first, there's probably a need for a veteran still. Um, we'll see whether, um, the one, the one that who's visited, uh, his name just escaped me. Um, Iraq, yes, uh, for, yes, yes, yes. Um, whether, you know, whether, whether he's in their plans or whether he's, he's, they're trying to get Peters resigned and they're bringing him in to, you know, kind of maybe push Peters, uh, cause obviously not a whole lot's happened since then. It's been a couple of weeks, I think, since he visited. So, um, or they may be waiting till after the draft to, you know, see where they are and, um, after the draft comp picks end as well. Um, so you can, you can sign free agents after that and not, you know, not be, they won't be subject to comp picks. And we know how they kind of like their comp picks. They, they have a fourth right now for powers still. They probably like to keep that in place. So, um, so, you know, so I think that, so they've got flexibility certainly. Um, and they could, they, I mean, they, I think they do have another, whether it's a, one, one of those two corners or, and obviously they can bring in Justin Houston again, bring him back. That's not, you know, that's not going to cost them a whole lot again. Uh, or, or Pierre Paul Smith, another, you know, veteran uh, pass rusher to, you know, round out the mix, so to speak. So, I mean, they've, they've, they've got some minor moves. And I think they've got one medium sized move, if you want to call it that with, at, with probably being a corner. Um, and then, you know, then it's the draft. And obviously with only five draft picks at this point, that's not going to cost the team a whole lot uh, unless they make some crazy move that, uh, you know, we're not, we're not seeing. So. Yeah. And I think with, you know, what, what moves they could make with that flexibility, I think, you know, we probably will see a restructure or two here. If, if Lamar oh, sure. and the franchise tag, that's what ends up happening, but I've seen stuff, Brian, I want, I want to ask you about it. DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think that's a realistic possibility anymore. Some people want it to be, but there's been the reports of him maybe getting cut by Arizona or taking more of a team-friendly deal. And the Ravens just, if they get him loading the position with Hopkins and Beckham, to me, I feel like if that happens, where do you get the money for corner? Is that in the restructure? Is, is Hopkins realistic at all for you? Or is that now, is that ship sailed with? I, I think that ship is sailed. And I, I think they they preferred, and I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I think Hopkins obviously had a suspension issue. I, I He's a little, I think he's a year younger, maybe, um, with less injury issues. I mean, I think he'd probably be the better wide receiver to acquire. 
But at least at this point, that means giving up draft picks. They only have five. Um, Hopkins is going to want a long-term deal because you are going to need to move some of the money around. I think he's due about $29 million over the next two years of his deal. And there you would they would need to move some money around, which he's going to say, I want a long term deal. <laughs> I want to add years. And, they're, you know, they might not be ready to do that, especially with the uncertainty around Lamar. So I think um, I think Beckham was probably um, the cheaper deal, even though, it, you know, 15 million fully guaranteed doesn't sound cheap in any way, shape or form. But I think that was. Uh, the more practical deal, maybe that's a better way of doing saying it, because they don't have to go up draft picks. He's not subject to the comp pick formula. Um, now, if Hopkins gets released and they get Lamar signed, I mean, I guess that could be, you know, but that's that that's still not the Ravens way. I mean, they still have, you know, I mean, they, you know, they still have uh, receivers on the roster. I mean, we're hope Bateman, you know, recovers. And obviously if they know something we don't know about that, then, and you see if I'm signed another veteran receiver, they just sign Aguilar too. So, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine that them signing three veteran wide receivers in one off season um, would be shocking <laughs> to say the least beyond shocking beyond the shock that we already are maybe with the Beckham deal. Yeah. And I think for me, my path was two veterans this off season and then two young guys. I think Aguilar and Beckham kind of shore that up for them. They can add a first round about it if they want to, maybe if they take corner, they could go with like a third round guy, but you're right. Five picks giving up one of those for Deandre Hopkins. I think again, Maybe stuff changes with the Lamar extension, but how likely is that at this point? It seems like the franchise tag is uh, is probably where they're headed yeah. with that. But that's all I have for you, Brian. I appreciate you hopping on. Thank sure. you so much. And, and please tell people where they can find you and what you're working on. Sure. So I'm on Twitter at Raven Salary Cap. Anytime uh, a deal happens, as soon as we got some numbers, I'm putting them together, trying to make sense of them. Uh, and then obviously at Russell Street Report, that's where my articles are. Um, big signings. We'll get an article. And at this point, usually my time is February and March as we're leading up to the off season. And how do we get the money we need? And, you know, where do we find it and things like that? So that's a little minimized at this point. Um, but, you know, we'll certainly, uh, you know, if any big deals come along and as we get to the draft, we'll kind of get into that or what the draft picks cost and things like that. Yeah, and I know it's been a busy offseason with Lamar. It's kind of been the unprecedented yes. year-round for Lamar yes, figuring that out. So, again, be sure to check out Brian's work. It'll all be in the description below. So give him a follow on Twitter and check out his work at Russell Street Report. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens talk, more Odell, more Lamar here. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.